Having a website is a given in today's world, but not all websites are created equal. What you want is a website that is designed to bring you business. And today I'm talking all about how you can turn your website into a sales machine, including the most important elements you need to include on your site, what you don't need to worry about, and what you need to know before you hire your next web designer. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real-life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. So welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran, and I'm super excited that you're here with me today because I am joined by Connie Holland. So Connie and I first connected about three or four years ago. Um, She also works exclusively with boutique fitness studios on web design. She builds websites for boutique fitness studios and helps with digital strategy as well. So her boutique web design agency is Pixality Design, and she helps studio owners to create search engine optimized websites. She builds mostly on Squarespace. And so she helps people to help studio owners to um, develop websites that are found very easily on uh, Google search and so on. Um, And she also has them built so that they're very easy for studio owners to update later on. She is also a retired Air Force pilot. She is a mom to four boys (laughs) and she lives just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, So welcome, Connie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. We have so much, so much to talk about. We were just chatting before I cr- hit record and we were just, we could have kept going, but we're on a bit of a time crunch. So um, I thought let's dive in. But I want to hear, first of all, um, how you went from being an Air Force pilot to being a uh, web designer for boutique fitness studios. <laughs> that is an interesting career transition, is it not? Um, yeah, so I was working part-time as a pilot in the Air National Guard, Nebraska Air National Guard, raising small children and just started kind of tinkering around with creative hobbies. I had an Etsy shop, learned to design websites for my Etsy shop, um, and was then decided I was better at designing websites than the Etsy crafting. Um, so I started working with just any kind of client that would come my way. I got to a point where I had, um, my favorite client, uh, shout out to Bernadette, who's still a client now, um, had a yoga studio and I did that project and just loved it. I loved how down to earth, um, studio owners are, how they really, you know, they interact with their clientele in person. And it's a business that I would enjoy going to. And so pretty much after that one project, I was like, this is this is where I want to be. These are the type of business owners that I really want to see succeed that I really feel passionate about. And so I just kind of went full in and said, this is what I do now. Um, got into the industry even more. I got connected with um, Heal Code, which for those of you who have been around the mind-body world for a long time, you know that that's uh, the mind-body branded web used to be a company called Heal Code. So I actually got in with that company and listed as a developer partner and 
the rest is history. It just snowballed from there. Amazing. I love when you, I love to hear how people have transitioned through this industry because it's never like this like simple linear story of <laughs> step by step. Not There's at always all. different nope. <laughs> twists and turns for sure. For sure. So, I mean, we have seen a lot of um, change in our industry over the last two years. Um, and I know that you've been, you have been building websites for longer than that. So you saw beforehand how folks were building sites. And now today, perhaps that extra sort of layer of complexity to um, web design. So tell me a little bit about what you have been doing with a lot of your clients to help them work through um, what the COVID pandemic has sort of brought into our industry. Yeah, I think the name of the game right now and in the past six months or so, and I see continuing into this year is curation. It's, you know, all these studio owners in the last couple of years have just been trying a bunch of different things. They've been adding live stream, adding video on demand, um, adding services that they didn't exist before and experimenting with things, which has been great. The, you know, change in the industry, the creativity in the industry has been really good. And now it's all about curating what it is you actually want to move forward with, what really makes sense for your brand. To do that in the in the website context, it's kind of like cleaning out your closet, right? It's hard to go into your closet and just start you know, picking things out and tossing things and moving things around. It's much easier to pull everything out of the closet and decide what goes back in. And so that's kind of the way we've been approaching web design projects these days with, okay, we don't have to keep everything that's going on. What is it you're moving forward with? How does that translate to your brand message? And let's rebuild what we're doing for the future based on just instead of just trying to fix and clean up things from the past. So it's really kind of a fresh start year uh, that comes with a lot of curation and really finding focus in what's what's really working for each individual brand. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And I think what are you seeing a lot of folks doing? Because obviously, we, you, I'm sure you have, have spent a lot of time building out on-demand platforms and building out um, live streaming capabilities and so on. Do, are you seeing a big shift back to in-studio only, or are we still still seeing a lot of on-demand hybrid uh, classes as well? What would you say is sort of taking up a lot of your time right now? Yeah, I see the trend right now. Um, you know, some type of video content, I think, is here to stay in some capacity for every studio. That is changing, and I think believe that is going to continue to change a little bit what that looks like for small studios. Obviously, if you've got a brick and mortar location, you want to get people back in the studio. Um, that that is their biggest revenue potential. Um, I see live stream falling off of most studios' priority list. Um, it just is more complex um, tech wise. It's harder for instructors to teach both to a live stream at home audience and to real people. Um, it just just adds more complexity, um, and the attendance for live stream has been falling. So, I see live stream pretty much dying out this year. Um, in place of that, and and what people I that I work with are focusing a little more on is that on demand content. Um, whether it's a full library, just upping the level of that content. Um, also, seen some experimenting with. Um, making like video on demand products that's not just a subscription but it's maybe a beginner series something to help in lead generation as you go forward with that whole what's it called gym intimidation uh, where people are intimidated of coming into the studio um you know that is and always has even prior to covid 
that has affected, that's, you know, a big hesitation for people coming into the studio for the first time. So I see video on demand moving a little in that direction to be used as lead generation, get people comfortable with you, with how you teach, and then moving them into the studio. Um, and maybe possibly some video on demand libraries still like we've seen a lot of. I see things like that with more strategy for the marketing, taking the place of live stream as an alternative to coming to the studio. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing the exact same thing. And I'm all about trying to move towards creating that product. If it is a video on demand type product and being able to make it so that it's unique to your brand and your studio. Um, and I think the more you, like you mentioned curation, I think the more people can curate that content on that platform, um, and create those products specifically for a certain population. Um, there is, I think there's a huge opportunity in that area for differentiation for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's all about standing out, like being, you know, making it known what you're known for. And I know you talk a lot about brand and you know, I always kind of tell clients, if you can look at your website and you could slap someone else's logo on it and it would be, have the same effect, then you probably have some room to stand out a little bit more and to put a little more effort into who you're talking to and what your brand is so that you can be memorable when people are searching for their next you know, workout. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the website, what do you think are sort of the most important elements that go into creating a website that stands out and helps people to, to, to really helps people to really, um, understand whether they're the right in the, in the right place when they land on that site, but also what helps studios to be able to take that website and make it really a, a strong part of their sort of sales machine. What do you, what do you find is the sort of the most important components? Um, I would say, the first thing that comes to mind is photography. Um, updated, you know, that is not necessarily a web design trend just for this year. That's been the way modern web design has been for five, six, seven years. Um, but I mean, big, beautiful photos of your actual space with your actual clients, with your actual instructors, um, showing the vibe and, you know, the, the difference maker of what your business is about. I think photos is the number one way off the top. If you're going to invest in anything, get great photos. Um, that would be that would be number one. Um, the second thing would be making a very clear path on your website for new clients to make that first purchase, book that first thing. If it's hard to find how to do that, you're going to lose them. Um, you know, especially people are searching on their phones. They're busy. They're just kind of it's a they're half attention. You know, they're paying attention to your website with half of their attention. If you don't make that path really easy, um, your website's probably not going to be doing a whole lot for you. Yeah, those two things are so important. So, um, so photography and then that customer journey on the website. Um, and so we used to always say, and maybe this is still the case or maybe not, um, but we used to say the fewer clicks people have to make to to move to the point of where they're actually making a purchase, the better. Does that still stand or is it more about the experience on the site? Um, I would say absolutely. Um, you know, the minimum clicks to get in the cart with that intro offer is still really, really important. I mean, the, the way I really I like to do that so that you're always within about two clicks of getting something in the cart is to use a button in the navigation that says literally start here or, you know, get 
two weeks for X amount of dollars, um, whatever it is, but that button is in the navigation all the time. You know, when people can be browsing around your site and reading about your background and your services and all that, but when they're ready, they know that button's staring right at them. Um, so I like to put that right in the navigation. Now, you know, they're going to get there within, you know, at, you know, minimum two clicks, maximum two clicks. Fantastic. Yeah. That's not, that's nice and short. I like that. Now tell me a little bit about SEO and where that fits into what you do and how important it is for our studio owners. Yeah. Having basic onsite SEO is really, really important. Um, I, I have consult calls with clients all the time. I always check out their website before we get on the call. And I can't tell you how many times I can't find where the studio is located. So if you have a brick and mortar location and you're hiding pretty much where you're located on your website, you're also hiding that information from Google. Um, it's not that hard, but you do need to have certain things in certain places on your website for Google to say, okay, this is a Pilates business in this location. Now I can show them to people searching for things like that in that location. So having someone who knows where those spots are on the website, putting the right terms in the right spot, I think is really important. Um, the greater SEO discussion, you know, there's some long-term strategies, there's content strategies, but the very low-hanging fruit, the really easy stuff that surprisingly a lot of studios are still missing, which if you're not missing it, now that puts you a, a, above the game, um, is making sure that your location, I usually put it in the footer. Now you know that your name, address, and phone number is in the footer, and it's very clear um, that your key services are, you're not being real cutesy with how you describe them. If you do re Reformer Pilates, you say Reformer Pilates because people search for that. Um you know, having that, those certain spots, the page titles of, e of specific pages that mention the specific services and the location that you do connects all the dots for Google and makes it easy for them to show you. Um, you know, that's the foundation of um, SEO. And it's, it's really important because if you're hiding from Google, they can't help you out. So help Google out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so we're in, thinking about this a little bit more in terms of, you know, where the website kind of sits in that funnel for getting new clients into the studio. So the path really is that they usually, most people either see the web link or search for the studio in Google. I mean, that's where most people, there's most people go to Google. And even if your studio name is your domain for your website, they will go to Google first and still search for your studio name. So that is sort of how most people find a website. And then the, the purpose of the website is really to take um, that person towards that decision of purchase, right? So everything you have on your site should really guide them forward towards making that decision. Um, and so the information you have on there in, in terms of the copy, I'm, should be, I'm assuming should be relatively sort of concise, but also quite compelling for that audience. Um, so how do you sort of navigate that with how much content to put on the site? Um, sometimes I find people like to put a lot of content on there and some people there's a lot less. What's the, what's the right balance? Right. Um, that's a great question because, you know, on the flip side, Google does like content too. They like pages that have words that explain what, what you do. Um, so the way I handle that is you can write all the content you want on your website it just can't be in the main pages that are on your navigation. You really have to curate down 
the messaging that gets people through those main pages. And by main pages, I mean your home, your about, your booking page, your buying page, uh, your contact page. You know, you can have lots of links on those pages, text links that say learn more that go to secondary pages on your site that give the whole backstory on things if you want to. And that's great. But you really need to curate and be very intentional with the words that are on those main pages that are funneling people towards that page where they're going to buy or book with you. Um, A blog, if you're a writer and you really like writing about what you do, a blog is a great place to have all that stuff. Um, Otherwise, you can have it on other pages, but that are linked to the main pages via a link. So it's like two, two clicks in. Um, another thing that I'm seeing a lot kind of trend wise in design are accordion texts and light boxes. Um, so those are two tools that we have as web designers where we can kind of ha- hide content that's on a page. Um, instead of clicking to another page to read that, if you click learn more, it just drops down more content on the page. So it's hidden when you're first looking at it. You have to do something to uncover that content, that copy on that page. But it keeps the page design really clean while giving people a real easy way to access that secondary information. Um, but they don't have to if they're just taking in the main messaging. You're not competing with the main messaging with, with giant paragraphs. So there's some, some new fun tools that I'm seeing kind of on the rise um, to do that, to keep the site really clean and minimal and streamlined, but also having that content like right at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to that, you know, and and you know, you, that's sort of the role of the, the designer to, is to sort of figure out w- which tools would work in which places, right? So if studio owner is looking for um, a redesign of their site or a new site, um, what does the process look like? Which, you know, well, how do you work with your clients? What should people expect or what's the best practices that people should be um, aware of? Yeah, there's, there's three things, three main things that you need to provide your web designer uh, to get a good website. The first we talked about a little bit, which is photography. Um, that's usually something that when people are talking about a new website, they probably need to schedule a photo shoot prior to that. Um, the second is branding, and that would be logos, fonts, colors. Um, the third is the copywriting. Copywriting is always the thing that takes people the longest, is always the hardest, because there's some really deep work that goes into that, right? You need to know what you want your brand to stand for you need to know what makes you different. You need to know all that stuff. You need to know who you're talking to before you actually do the work of writing. So, um, you know, my process is I get on and we have a consult call. I talk with a client who's thinking about a website redesign. We talk through those three critical pieces that are going to go into the website, see where they're at on those, how they feel about those. Um, you know, if they need a photo shoot, we just schedule the timeline around that. Um, for the copywriting, I've got a content workbook that um, they can either hire me and my team to, to write for them, or I've got a content workbook that kind of writes, walks them through um, some prompts for writing their um, website. And then branding, I'll give them an honest opinion on uh, whether I think they need new branding or whether what they have is um, has worn well over the years and still works. Um, but yeah, there's there's that prep work. I mean, I just would say, you know, if you're planning a website redesign, be prepared to address those three things for your business. Do you have the messaging enough that you can write the copy for the site? Do you have branding that reflects where you're at right now? And do you have photography that reflects your studio right now? Um, you know, from there with, with my process, I always do the homepage first, get feedback with the client, 
and then we build the interior pages and um, make sure we're we're in sync with all of those things. Right. And then how long does the process take generally? You know, generally, what's the, or what's your goal? <laughs> yeah, my goal, and I do things a little bit differently because I'm sure a lot of people have been in website projects before that have lasted six, 12 months and just kind of gone on and on. Um, so I have a package, it's called a fast, fast fit website. Um, and it's done in a week from when we start. So all that prep work I just talked about is done prior to our start date. And then I block out a week. You're my only client that week. Uh, we do feedback calls on Tuesday, Thursday, and we launch on Friday. So it's very streamlined focused. You set aside a week, I'll set aside a week and let's get this done. Um, I've just found that that works a lot better when it's everyone's priority for a week versus just floating around and back and forth emails. Uh, most of my clients love it too, because they know they're going to have a new website on a certain date. Um, so yeah, I, I, I prefer to work that way. That's excellent. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and then, so once someone, you know, you've launched the website, you've got a new website, but we know having been through the last two years that things change. Um, and so perhaps there is changes to your team and you want to update your, your pages about your about page for your team, or you have a new instructor or your pricing changes. How easy is it, or should it be for studio owners to go in and change the sites? I know that this is something that a lot of folks have a hard time with, um, and have had a hard time with in the past. So how do you, um, help studio owners be able to manage that after the fact? Yeah, I love this question because I think this is something that the industry has just changed so much in the last 10 years. And if you have an older site, you're probably locked into where you have to go through a web developer to change it, or it's really, you're afraid of breaking something. You don't want to touch it. Um, the industry has changed quite a bit. Um, and there are platforms like Squarespace, which is what I use, that um, are really make it easy for the owner, the business owner to change text, to swap photos, to add team members, um, to do things like that. So all of my website packages come with training, a training call that's recorded. Um, I also provide support to my clients afterwards. If they try something themselves and they get stuck and they write me, I will record them a little video and show them how to do it because I want them to learn over time and feel comfortable making those edits. Um, and that is certainly something you're right that we saw when COVID hit 2020, everyone needed to make changes to their websites. And panic people realizing they couldn't make edits to their website. Um, and so it was stuck, you know, saying services that they didn't even offer anymore. So yeah, it's really important to me that the business owner has, you know, a basic understanding and knows, feels confident change, making basic updates and edits to their site themselves. And I make sure that um, they get that support in order to do that. Yeah, it's fantastic because that is certainly something that comes up a lot. You know, whenever you're making any, you know, business will change over the course of a, six months to a year, regardless of what's happening, you know, with regards to a pandemic or not, you know, things will change. And so you have to have that ability to be able to update, you know, the the website, because the website really is where most people go to do, to learn more about you. And if it doesn't reflect what's actually happening in the business, you know, you're kind of on the back foot, you know? Right. And it's very possible now. I mean, with the the software platforms that are available, it's, um, it's, it's very possible. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've used to have a Squarespace site myself and I think that it's one of the most easiest platforms to use when it comes to building a site. And so, um, if definitely that's what I always recommend is, is, is to find a site that if, if you, you know, to find a, a platform that you would know how to use 
and and, and learn how to use it because it's so important. So, so important. Um, and then also on that note, you know, integrating with um, the various different um, uh, scheduling software that's out there and payment um, um, platforms. I presume you take care of all of that and that that is very rel- relatively easy to do. Right. Yeah. That's something that I do with every, with every project, whatever scheduler you're using, there's a bunch of different ones, obviously. Um, most of them work the same way where they provide the widget or the, the booking functionality. You cut and paste it and put it on your website. Squarespace does work really well with a variety of those scheduling softwares with embedding those widgets. Not every platform does, but I know I can tell you that Squarespace does. Um, so yeah, if you can follow instructions, go figure out what, whatever scheduler you're using, figure out where their widgets are, figure out where to cut and paste. And most people can add that to their website, no problem. Um, that's included in the services I do. And I do customize those a little bit and make them you know, more branded and fit a little bit better into the site. Um, but I think that's a real important part of having a studio is having that booking and buying functionality on your own website. Uh, people get really comfortable. You, you're spending all this effort trying to get them to trust you and get them to understand your business. And then if you send them off site to a booking platform, now they've got to learn a whole new site, learn to trust a whole new site before they complete that transaction. So I think there's some friction in that process. If you send them off your site, you keep them on your site. Um, it's just a better user experience for the client. Yeah, absolutely. I think keeping, you know, that, yeah, absolutely. Keeping them on the site is preferable. Um, and so building in that is preferable as well. So if people are looking for studio, um, new websites and they're working with a new designer, these are all sorts of things that you'll want to double check before you go into that and enter into a contract so that you are you know that what you're going to get out, the product that you're going to get at the end is going to be able to give you all of the things that we've talked about today. Um, so last question for you, Connie, what do you, um, how would someone know if they need a new website or not? What's kind of the, what is the, what's, is there like a checklist? Is there a few kind of key things that we might be missing if people are, are perhaps um, need a little bit of an update? What would you say? Yeah, I would say the, the red flags, the big things that should trigger in your mind to probably need a website update are like we just discussed, you can't edit it at all. You can't make any changes. Um, if it's more than, I would say, five years old, it's probably going to look dated. Um, a good way to kind of check on that is, um, you know, at least five years ago, web design standards of modern web design really went to this trend of having big images that go full width left to right on your screen. So if you don't have the capability to go all the way to the edge of the, of the browser, all the way to the edge of the screen, it's going to look dated. Um, so if you've got like images that are just in the middle surrounded by text and you don't have any big banner images, um, that's kind of a clear indication that, yeah, it's probably your clients are probably going to think it's a dated site, which looks bad on your, on your business. Um, so just a rule of thumb, it's been more than five years. Most businesses need to refresh or redesign their website every five years or so anyway. So that would be a good, um, indication of that. Um, and then I would say the next thing is, be honest with yourself, give your site a little self audit, uh, look at it and think, okay, is it very clear who I am, what I do, where I'm located, um, why my clients or my prospects should care if your site is written very much in, I do this, I do this, or we do this, we do this. And it's not talking to the pain points that the prospects are having. 
that's kind of a indication that something needs, it needs a, needs a good refresh on the copy. Um, and then the big question is how do I start? If I was a new client and I landed on this site, is it very clear the path of how I start? So if you kind of give your site that mini audit, the who, what, where, why should I care? And how do I start? If it passes that and it looks modern, you're probably good. If not, you probably need to address it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was going to ask you about um, photography and you mentioned earlier about what those pictures should have in them. And you said that they should have the actual studio with real people and real clients in those pictures, which is something that I always, I encourage all my studio owners to do. Um, so tell me what, what makes you kind of, what, why is that that you recommend that also? Um, it's a real big trust builder, or I would say it's a big trust killer. If you go to a website and it's a brick and mortar location and it looks like they're using stock photography or they're using, you know, often I see, you know, Pilates instructors using their professional, you know, individual shots of just them, which is a start. And there's a place for that on your site. But if it's a brick and mortar location and you do group sessions and you have multiple instructors, not all the photos can just be your professional Pilates um, photos. So I would say it's a trust issue. That's the most important thing. Um, people will just inherently trust you if they feel that you're being authentic and you're showing. Um, there's some distrust that happens right away if you have a brick and mortar location and, they're, and you're using stock photos. It's like, what are they trying to hide? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And um, yes, definitely recommend pictures of your studio and not empty studios either. And I see that sometimes too. It's, and the people have got beautiful studios, and, and, but if there's no people in them, it doesn't capture that energy that exists in the studio. And that's so much of what we want to share on the site is, is what, how it feels to be in the studio um, and the experience people can expect. So people in the pictures is important as well. Yeah. Right. And I've actually split test ads, um, running pictures of beautiful studios and pictures of people in them and the, the people pictures showing some emotion always wins out over the, the clean, beautiful pictures. There's a place for that. Maybe on the about page, you want to show your space. Um, another thing, if you are planning a, um, a photo shoot, um, showing a variety of your services. So there's always the, you know, private sessions page where all we have is group photos to show there. So if you've got a service that's private sessions, maybe try and get a shot of a one-on-one so you can show what that experience is like. Likewise with the group sessions, if you've got workout at home options, you've got those video on demand, try to get some photos that looks like somebody working out at home using your product in their, um, the actual context. Um, it doesn't really help to have a video on demand sales page and have all in studio photos. It doesn't really connect with the message that you're trying to convey there. So if you're planning a photo shoot, um, get real clients, get real instructors, think through your services and where and how those, those contexts would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We want to make sure the pictures reflect what you're telling them right on the site. So it's easier, reinforces it hundred percent. Wonderful. So um, tell me a little bit about where um, people can find out more about Pixality Design and um, how you can help them build their amazing websites. Right. I would love to. Um, Pixalitydesign.com is my website. You can go there. You can see examples of 
Pilates, Boutique Fitness, just go to my portfolio. You can see a ton of examples of sites that I've done in the last few years. Um, contact form there, just reach out uh, via that. Um, I give everyone hop on the phone. We do a three free, no commitment, 30 minute consult um, and talk through kind of, kind of your goals. So that's the best way to get started. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Pixality Design and I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, love to connect with anyone, answer any questions. Um, contact form is the best way because then we can jump on a call, um, get that scheduled and just, just go through your questions. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes as well. So you have it. Um, this was so incredibly helpful, Connie, to, sh- you know, to hear you talk about all of these things that are kind of questions and queries and thoughts that we have about how this should all work and how this all fit together so I'm so glad that you came on and you've been so clear with and you know given us all some great direction um here as well so thank you this has been great and I I could have we could have kept going for another hour at least (laughs) but we'll bring you back (laughs) to talk about all the other things (laughs) I'd love to well thanks for having me it was great wonderful thank you so much Connie did you love this episode and want more Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm